So thanks. You'll have to forgive us for using notes because if I don't, I'll wind up talking about last year's fishing trip or something. So I'm Bobby Johns. This is my lovely wife, Shari. Uh, thanks for letting us share what God has done in our lives, and we hope that it will encourage you. Um, first, a quick prayer to get us started. Father God, thank you for your grace and endless blessings that we don't deserve. Please open our eyes and our hearts to your truth. And if there's anything useful in our story, please let that come through tonight. We're, you are mighty and filled with love and compassion for us, even when we're lost and far from you. There is no marital problem or other issue here tonight that's bigger than you, God. You love us where we are, and you love us enough not to leave us there. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bobby and I were both born and raised here in Texas. We've been together for 22 years, married for 16. Um, we have two beautiful boys, Austin and Wyatt, and we've been coming here for about nine years now. Here's a picture of us on our blissful wedding day mm-hmm. when everything was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I look like a baked potato in a jacket. As for my background and family, uh, I wasn't raised on any kind of organized religion. My uh, parents were divorced when I was 18 months old because my father was gay. I usually don't mention that up front to, because people often tune out uh, for a minute when they hear that. Uh, this played out badly for me because the rest of my family was deathly afraid that I would turn out to be gay too. So even at a young age, I was encouraged to notice women, to look at cheerleaders and so on. This was like throwing gasoline on a fire. I was already very attracted to women, and I started a lifelong addiction to pornography, starting with uh, Playboy at the age of eight, with the encouragement of a relative thinking she was helping me. I grew up with a series of stepfathers until I was 12 and my mom's fourth husband seemed to stick. They were married for 20 plus years, and he was the first stable father figure I ever had. He taught me about being a man, not so much by what he said, but I watched what he did. He was a good moral man, became a Freemason, and passed away just a few years ago. Just about the time I hit puberty, I was starting to leave anything about God and the Bible behind. I asked questions of the Christians I knew, but no one I knew could give me what I thought were intellectually honest answers uh, about the hard questions. How do I know the Bible is God's word? And how do I know that Jesus is who he says he is? Why does God let bad things happen? 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give a reason for the hope that you have. I spent most of my adult life far from God, actively running away from him. If you count abortion as murder, then I've broken all ten of the commandments. I don't know how to give you more details about my past hedonism without sounding like bragging. So trust me when I tell you, I was lost and completely bought into the world's lies, living in the darkness. I mocked everything Christians stood for, and I did it with delight. Proverbs 18, 1 and 2. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends, and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. And I grew up in a volatile household. My father was physically abusive to my mother, and when I was 15, my mother took my two brothers and I to a women's shelter where we lived there for three weeks hiding from him. My mother believed in the Lord and always spoke of him, but I didn't understand how God could do this to us. 
My mother then remarried a man who also had three children, and together they had one more. And all nine of us lived in a tiny little house together. And because of the divorce and the remarriage, I had to move and start over to a new high school. In hindsight, God was looking after me. And a sweet girl that um, I met, she introduced me um, to some other friends, and they all invited me to go to church. And I loved it. And at church camp the summer before my senior year, I gave myself over to the Lord, and I was baptized. I had a head knowledge of what that meant, and I thought if I was good and I helped people, then all was fine. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not by yourselves, it is a gift from God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, for which he is prepared in advance for us to do. But after high school, I stopped running with these friends I had made at church. I went completely wild. I began drinking, experimenting with drugs, and because of my promiscuity and other poor choices, I became pregnant, and I was scared, and out of fear and selfishness, I made a very conscious decision to abort that child. I pursued a career as a technology geek, bought the latest gadgets, pursuing anything that interested me, following my own selfish nature. Even got married and then divorced within a year, chased women and let sex dictate my life. All the while, something was missing. I would move from one philosophy or ism to another, trying to find what was missing. I read books on psychology, comparative religion, and philosophy for pleasure. At first, being excited, thinking I had found the real answer at last, only to discover that when I chased these ideas to their logical conclusion, they were just another dead-end excuse for the truth. Slowly, I began to live a life closer to the straight and narrow, but never consciously trying to please or know God, just dropping the most destructive habits that uh, I had survived long enough to realize didn't work. I met Bobby in 1995, and we were pretty much inseparable. After only a few months of dating, we moved in together. I didn't see anything wrong with it at the time, and all my friends were living with their boyfriends. Bobby and I got married in the fall of 2001, and after a couple of years of marriage, we started trying to have a child. And one afternoon, Bobby had to rush me to the hospital because I was having severe abdominal cramps. I didn't know I was pregnant at the time until we got to the emergency room where we learned I was having a miscarriage. We were devastated. It was our first pregnancy and we had lost the baby. Um, Several months later, I found out I was pregnant again and we were very excited about this child. But during a doctor's visit, it turned out that I had an ectopic pregnancy and was bleeding internally. So um, it was life-threatening and I was immediately rushed into emergency surgery. And I remember after the surgery, a friend coming and visiting me, and I asked them if this was God's way of punishing me for the abortion I'd had. About a year after this, we got pregnant again, but fear dominated most of that pregnancy. Uh, Thankfully, our little blessing was born healthy and happy. We named him Austin. After the birth of our son, Bobby and I slowly drifted apart, feeling like I had to control everything, make all of the decisions, feeling very alone and disconnected. I remember sitting on the couch after our son had gone to bed one evening and looking at Bobby and telling him how lonely I felt, even though we were sitting in the same room. I met my wife, Shari, and I was finally ready to get married again after much patience on Shari's part. 
I was madly in love with her, and with the birth of my son, after several misadventures, I began to wonder if I was capable of being a good father, not to mention a good husband or even a good man. The miscarriages and ectopic pregnancy put a deep fear into me and made me realize how little control I really had. I'd almost lost Shari, and the prospect made me fearful, overprotective, and timid. Everything I learned from the various self-help groups and, and personal growth workshops I'd been to over the years had, had taken me about as far as they could. My marriage was dying, and I couldn't figure out how to stop it. Divorce was the most likely, most likely outcome, and I was in despair. Paralyzed with fear, a classic case of failure to lead and passivity. My addiction to pornography was taking its toll as well. I was letting a computer fantasy world steal time, energy, and affections from my wife. And this only added to the downward spiral. At this time in our marriage, you could say that Bobby and I were more like roommates. The distance that had grown between us was pretty deep. I would spend most of my evenings in the bedroom watching TV while he spent the evening in the living room doing the same or on his computer. I was sad. I was depressed. I was lonely. I started contemplating divorce and what that might look like. I started picturing my son and myself living without Bobby, and the world made it sound so easy and okay that the grass was greener and that I could be happier if I just ended this marriage and moved on. Satan was working in my heart, and he would have enjoyed seeing my son grow up without his father around. My first visit to Watermark was in January of 2008, and I had come with a friend who had invited me. And she had a son about the same age as ours, so it made it easier for me to come. That, uh, Todd's message that day was about marriage and specifically about being undivorced. I remember him saying that if you were still married but not living the Lord's definition of marriage, then you were living undivorced. And it felt like he was just talking to me, and that somehow he knew I was walking in that day to hear that sermon. But I knew it was Jesus that knew I would be walking in that day. And through the Holy Spirit, he spoke to me. And I remember going home that day and telling Bobby about the sermon. And I told him I was going to go the next week, and he could come with me if he wanted to. He didn't come with me that next week, but the sermon was a series about marriage. And I remember praying that day that Bobby would come with me, and then the next week he did. I was not excited about going to church. <laughs> but I went hoping for a little solace and maybe a few new social contacts. Uh, I didn't have any men I could regularly talk to about anything except technology. And to be honest, I wasn't sure the church building wouldn't cave in when I walked in. Todd was in the middle of the first re-engage series, and it seemed like he was talking just to me. I came for six straight weeks, and they were all about me. <laughs> After nine years, a couple have not been about me. What I found were uh, people who had a love and authenticity and energy that I had never seen in church before. They spoke of God's unfailing, unchangeable love for us all, even for me. A love so deep he would give his only son to pay the price for my wickedness. I heard that I was forgiven and saved by grace. It took a while for me, uh, it took a while for me to come around to the conclusion that this might be what I had been looking for. Not knowing anything better to do, I just prayed my first feeble little prayer. God, I don't know what this is supposed to look like, but if you're there, please come into my heart and let me find out. Romans 8:26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. 
At first, I didn't tell people that I went to church here, not because what they might think of me, but what they might think of the church. If they let that guy in, they'll let anybody in. That's actually the truth, but I felt the need to protect my new friends from my past, but they didn't need it. They had a protector and a redeemer already. I began reading the Bible and found things I'd never heard before. I began to cultivate a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I spoke with committed Christ followers who spoke with an authenticity I never knew from Christians before. My idea of what being a real Christian, a Christ follower, was forever changed. No one was afraid of even my toughest questions. I began to pray regularly and found a peace I had not had before. I began to see improvements in my marriage and my other relationships. I still go off in the weeds sometimes, but I know the way back. I still struggle with the lies of the world at times, but I have a hope I didn't have before. What I was missing was there all along. I just never saw God's love and grace for what it was, unchangeable, unbreakable, unfathomable. Somewhere along the way, my interest in pornography also diminished. I finally threw away my last dash of DVDs one day after reading scripture, uh, James 1, 19 through 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. After I jumped in with both feet, my wife began to come around a little at a time. We joined a community group. I started going to Equip Disciple because I didn't even know what I didn't know. What's quiet time and do I need earplugs? <laughs> we decided to give this new marriage class called Reengage a Shot. 24 weeks, you guys got it easy. But I said, okay, let's do it. Two other couples from our community group did reengage with us. And I remember Bobby wanting to sign up for that first re-engage class that Watermark offered, and I just wasn't ready at all. My heart was very hard, and at times I felt like it would never soften towards him. I'm obviously glad we ended up doing it, and focusing on our marriage and focusing on Christ was truly the only way out of the deep funk that our marriage had gotten into. I'm so very thankful today for what the Lord has blessed me and my sweet family with. We have some dear friends who pour into us and love us and guide us. There's a sweet ministry that I went through called Someone Cares um, for abortion recovery. So now I no longer feel punished for my abortion, but I am loved, I'm forgiven, and I'm the daughter of a king. I have a peace and a joy in the blessings that God has given us. I think about how our little family has grown and how awesome our two boys are. And I rejoice in this relationship my husband and I now have with Jesus. Bobby is my best friend. There's no place I would rather be. He's my rock, and I'm thrilled to follow his lead. So we have a, another picture. <laughs> of our crazy little family. <laughs> yeah, other families have those really nice, you know, <laughs> not, not us. It's okay. So we still have conflicts and even argue sometimes. But the difference is we are committed to Christ first and then each other. Shari and I serve now uh, as small group facilitators and re-engage, not because we have a per perfect marriage, because we don't, but because we know the pain a dysfunctional marriage can bring and feel drawn to do something about it. Mm -hmm. The fear and sadness can be crippling. 
If that's where you are now and wondering if this is for you, yes, it is. There's no place, there's no better place that I'm aware of, and there's no better time than right now to get started. And if you have something scary you need to share with your spouse or small group, do it tonight. Dig deep and get after it. God is bigger than anything you might be facing. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Thank you for letting us share with you tonight. Mm -hmm.